you for joining me on episode 32 of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I'm Rachel Jenneman, just a regular gal trying to help people know that they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. Stage four cancer survivor Ginny Dent Brandt shares her journey from diagnosis to healing. Hear how she used modern medicine coupled with biblical principles to not only bring healing to her body, but to walk others through their cancer journeys as well. Welcome back to the Unique On Purpose podcast. I'm Rachel Jenneman, and today we are traveling all the way to South Carolina, and you will be able to tell because Ginny Dent Brandt has that Southern twang, which I really appreciate and I love. So, Ginny, you kind of have this this charm about you, that Southern charm that we Northerners all hear about. (laughs) I'm excited that you're here. (laughs) You've got it. Well, I'm excited you're here today because we're going to be talking about really overcoming cancer. You're a wife, you're a mom, you're a grandmother, too. Too, correct? That's right. How many Four grandkids? grandchildren. Four grandchildren. And you used to be a school counselor. That's right. And are you retired now or do you still do you still do counseling? I am retired from the school system after 32 years, mm-hmm. but I do a lot of speaking and writing and podcast and, mm-hmm. you know, other things. So you're not but, really yeah. retired. You're, you're just no, doing that's other exact, things. Neither my husband nor <laughs> I are really retired. So, yeah. yeah. And so you are also an author, which is what we're going to be talking a little bit about today. But what we mostly want to address is the fact that you are a cancer survivor and you are a cancer survivor because of what you did really spiritually and not just physically that helped you overcome this cancer and so i'm hoping that those listening today that maybe are having a struggle or struggle with cancer or maybe they're they're healthy and they just want to learn more tips and tricks uh, that that they can receive that today so i want you to go ahead and just start out with me one who is jenny and i want to know your cancer story well yes i'm a southern gal who grew <laughs> up in our nation's capital because Hmm. my father served a senator and three presidents. So I grew up in the political world and at age 16 came to Christ through a ministry called Young Life. So I was the first person in my family to actually become a Christian in the way I understand Christianity, Mm -hmm. not just a good works thing. And so I'm trying to influence my family and I'm praying for my family And the Young Life leaders discipled me, taught me the power of prayer, how to get through trials, because little did I know the biggest trial was coming our way. Mm -hmm. My mother was diagnosed with severe depression when I was 16 years old, which left me to care for my younger brother, who was 10. And then my father went through the Watergate trials, and I was his confidant through the trials. At 16, you were his confidant. Yes. So we're going through all this and my faith is deepening and I'm trying to share my faith with my family and praying for them. Mm -hmm. And my first book was Finding True Freedom from the White House to the World. And it shows what God did through the prayers of a 16 year old girl where everything was out of my control. Mm. And all I could do was pray and try to be a witness. And what he did, he went way beyond my prayers. Both my parents give their life to Christ, end up going into full-time ministry. My mother recovers from depression. My father does not go to prison in the Watergate trial. He's one of 65 men who didn't go to prison. Mm -hmm. And God uses him all over the world, especially in the country of Romania, to help them come to freedom after communism. And so I learned at an early age in life how to handle trials because more than one trial was 
on my doorstep at the same time. Mm -hmm. So when the cancer journey came, I had just lost my mother to cancer and seven years earlier, my father to Alzheimer's disease, and I had begun researching what I could do to prevent myself from getting it hmm. so that my family didn't have to go through this. Preventing and then getting my mother Alzheimer's? Gets cancer. Or, yeah, okay. Alzheimer's, because okay. that was the worst thing our family's ever been through. And hmm. I was one of the caregivers along with my mom and my sister, and we were caring for him like eight or nine years. And so... I was determined I was not going to get that, and I began researching. That began the research. Then when my mother gets cancer, it's fresh on my mind because I am going to this. We did this Cooper River Bridge run that we started doing. Mm-hmm. It's a 10-kilometer run that you can walk, run, combination, whatever. We started doing that to motivate ourselves to get healthy because of my dad's situation. And it was after that, that night, that in the middle of the, of the night, This is four months after losing my mother to breast cancer. My ring got caught in my nightie. And as I was trying to free it in the middle of the night, I felt a lump. Mm. Well, that was horrifying because I knew what my mother had just been through. And I sure didn't want to go through what I went through with her. Mm -hmm. So I immediately went to the doctor thinking it's nothing. And the first call was, yes, it's cancer. Mm -hmm. Then the next week, it was it's more than just cancer. It's aggressive cancer. Well, no one wants to hear that. Right. And then I went for my MRI and the surgeon calls me into his office and sits me down and I'm expecting that, you know, he's planning out the surgery. And that's all I'm expecting to hear. We're going to do the surgery. This is what we're going to do. It's worse than I thought. It appears that your tumor has planted other tumors, and it appears to be in your lymph nodes and in other parts of your body. Well, that's Mm -hmm. stage four aggressive cancer. Mm -hmm. And I'm just absolutely pacing the floor, waiting for my husband to pick me up, not knowing I'm going to get good news. Mm -hmm. And the first thing we did was get a second opinion. We flew to Chicago immediately, as quickly as they could get us in at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, which is kind of up your way. And we wanted that that second opinion. And I tell cancer patients, you really need to pray about where you're going, mm-hmm. get the best doctors you can, get a second opinion if it's a serious, aggressive, or stage four, stage three or four cancer where all the weapons are brought out to save your life. Mm-hmm. Because you want to know that you're getting more than one head thinking about your situation. And that was one of the best things. I could have done because they came in and said, basically, you know, it may not be stage four. We won't know until we do the surgery. It was not stage four. Oh, it was aggressive. Mm -hmm. It had planted other tumors. I was going to have to go through the same treatments as a stage four cancer patient, but a stage four cancer patient never stops the the treatments in my case. Mm -hmm. In my case, I had a chance of curing it and living a normal life if the chemo didn't damage me and disabled me, Mm -hmm. which can sometimes happen. So all of this, Rachel, sent me on a quest to discover, number one, what caused my cancer? Number two, what I could do to help the doctors beat it and lessen the side effects of all the horrific treatments. And number three, once we killed it, I didn't want it coming back. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's what drove my quest of research. And I knew, you know, if I had just had a stage two cancer and it wasn't aggressive, I would have done the surgery and been done with it and then changed my lifestyle. And I wouldn't have gone and done anything else. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't that. It was aggressive. And I had to be realistic and realize that I had to, had to get on this, on top of this, and get on top of it quickly. And I needed everything conventional medicine had to offer. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted everything that holistic and integrative medicine had to offer because putting the two together mm-hmm. can be very valuable. Yes. Yes. And I like that you said that because, and we discussed this earlier. There are almost two schools of thought instead of three. You know, some say, nope, just regular medicine, whatever the doctor says, and that's it. And then there's the other side that says, no, only the holistic. I'm not going the medical route. And I've watched people who have done the holistic die. But I've also watched people that just did the medical die. And but you put the two together and we have to remember that, yes, God has given us everything that we need here on this earth with fruits and vegetables and all the natural things. But I I always go back to scripture where Paul traveled with Luke. You know, Luke was a doctor and he wrote a couple of books in the Bible like we can't dismiss doctors and what they have to say either. So I love your I love your approach to both. So as you're going about trying to put these two together, what are you discovering? Well, I think what shocked me the most is that, you know, most people, when they get a cancer diagnosis, they look up at God and they go, why did you let this happen to me? Mm -hmm. I never looked at God and said that because I learned during my father's Alzheimer's journey from the researchers and the research that I did then that it is mainly Alzheimer's is a lifestyle disease. Mm. And so the first thought in my mind is, is there something I did oh. to, to cause this? Mm-hmm. And is there something I missed? And yes, there definitely was. What I think amazed me about all my research together gave me one theme. Like you said, God has given us what we need to survive on this earth. He wants us to be healthy. He has given us this amazing immune system intricately woven that works every day on our behalf but we do things that suppress it Mm -hmm. and make it not work as he intended and that's where I had to realize where did I fall off the wagon and I began looking at five things I already knew about health because I was a wellness coach for our school district I taught every child at our school about wellness and I spoke about wellness when I was speaking around the state. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going back to these five things I already know. And I dug deeper. And then I discovered three things I absolutely did not know anything about. And those were the three, three of the major reasons I got cancer mm-hmm. in the first place. It's usually, Rachel, not one thing that causes cancer. I've never seen a case where it was one thing unless someone was at Chernobyl when it blew oh, or yeah, in yeah. the 10-mile radius. Mm-hmm. Then their doctors could say, as they got cancer in the following years, oh, yeah, this was due to the radiation exposure mm-hmm. at Chernobyl. But you rarely see that in any cancer patient. It's 
it's this plus this plus this plus this. And you try to find as many of those veins as you can so that you can change the terrain and what you're doing with your body so that it can work as God intended. It was meant to fight cancer mm-hmm. and disease on an everyday basis. Our body actually heals and repairs itself when we do the right things. What are the five things that you knew caused cancer? Well, I knew that hydration was important for the for the body. I did not realize how deeply important it was in preventing cancer, but I knew that really? that we should be properly hydrated because mm-hmm. every cell, every organ system, every organ in our body must have sufficient water. I knew that, but I didn't realize how much it affected the immune system and our ability to fight cancer yeah, on I didn't an know everyday that either. basis. And then when you go through chemotherapy, and not every cancer patient needs chemotherapy, thank God, but when you do, you need to up the hydration to make sure the chemo gets to every cell. Mm-hmm. You don't want to miss some cells, mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that that enhanced hydration continues so that after it kills the cancer cells, it will be removed from your body because all that trash and debris and toxins can build up and it can go into sepsis. Mm -hmm. And a lot of cancer patients die from the chemotherapy that goes into sepsis or that just poisons their body. So if you can get it in and get it out with hydration and some of the other things that I mentioned, then you're going to fare better. I mean, this gal was actually, I did that 10K run. I walked it during chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. I snow skied. Um, I was walking two to three miles every single day. Mm-hmm. And then I find out at the end that the research backs what I did to relieve stress was powerful in helping my whole body to deal with the treatments and keep my immune system up. Mm-hmm. And then what what were the other ones that you knew about? Okay, so deep sleep is when our body repairs itself and detoxes itself. And so when you're getting all these toxic chemicals, first of all, if you get the eight to nine hours deep sleep every night, you're not as likely to catch COVID. You're not as likely to catch disease or get cancer because melatonin goes off. During that deep sleep, it's a hormone produced by your own body only when you go into deep sleep, Mm -hmm. and it's a major immune builder for COVID and flu and whatever. It's also a major cancer fighter, and the research shows that unequivocally. And so deep sleep is going to be important, especially if you're in the cancer journey and you're getting all these treatments. You Mm -hmm. want your body to detoxify at night and rebuild itself because chemo, in order to kill the cancer, does a lot of damage. Mm Mm-hmm. So deep sleep is critical. And then exercise. Oh, my goodness. It was my best bud during the cancer journey. From the first moments I was diagnosed, my husband laid his hands on me and prayed that God would guide us. And we went for a walk to relieve the stress. Just the news of a cancer diagnosis sends all these chemicals all over your body. Your body's in shock. It's in fear. It's in all these things. And so you need to relieve that. Mm -hmm. And walking was always my great stress reliever. Mm -hmm. But it did so much more. It got me through the first surgery and the second surgery where I had a lot of stitches. 
when I came back from surgery, I had all these tubes attached to my body and a catheter, and I looked at that nurse, and I said, what do I got to do to shed some of this? I can't stand this. And he said, if you can walk four rounds of the hospital floor by tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., I'll remove the catheter. The tubes will last for several weeks. You'll have to babysit those at home. So I got up the next morning ready to go, walked four rounds. It felt so good. I, I said, how many to a mile? He said, I don't think you can do that. He said, 18. I walked a mile that that morning, and then it felt so good I walked another mile. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he's calling my surgeon to say, uh, should I stop? <laughs> from, she's pulling those poles behind her, and she's just happily walking. She, and my surgeon said, as long as she has the energy and the balance, you let her go. After that surgery, it'll only promote healing mm. in her body and lessen blood clots and pump the anesthesia out. And it's going to do all these things for her, jumpstart her organs. And I walked home from the hospital several miles after that. She released me early. And here's the key. She said, you pumped your lymphatic system and those drains from your breast that you were going to have to babysit for two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. She said, I'm pulling them today. Mm -hmm. I did not go home. Major surgery on my breast. I did not go home with those tubes. She said, we rarely have a patient do that. And it was just because of that exercise. Yeah. Exercise. Then I get to the chemo. And I'm like, okay, exercise worked for the surgery so well. And I'm, you know, nervous about this chemo. I made it a commitment. I'm going to walk two miles before chemo. And if I can afterwards, I'm going to walk two miles after chemo and then two to three miles every day in between. Mm -hmm. I do this all the way during chemo. I'm able to snow ski. I'm able to, you know, climb mountains. I'm I'm able to do all these things that people don't normally do during chemo. And at the end... Your immune system is almost totally destroyed by the chemo, and it takes it two to five years to come back with the chemo regimen I was on, which is one of the worst known to mankind. Mine was back in six weeks, and my doctors are scratching their head going, you know, you've been one of our best patients, and you've been so active, and you've had a great attitude, but this is amazing. And a year later, one of my doctors says, I think we know why you did so well after chemo. And your immune system was back and your blood levels were all in normal ranges within six weeks, which is unheard of. It's because of all the exercise you did. And she showed me a study from Australia. And it had 30 cancer entities that came together to say that exercise is one of the best things a cancer patient can do. It's one of the best things just a regular person can do to prevent cancer and disease in the first place Mm -hmm. or get through the journey or prevent it from coming back. And that's what I was doing. It was pumping my lymphatic system, taking those toxic chemicals, helping them to target the cancer, and then helping to move them out with proper hydration so that the toxins did not build up in my system and put me into sepsis. I did not feel bad during the cancer journey except the last chemo kind of knocked me flat for a day, and then I was back up again. Mm -hmm. That's unheard of. Yeah. So now doctors are starting to tell cancer patients, walk, walk, walk. You know, don't run a marathon. That's mm-hmm. not what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. If you can't yeah, walk. Yeah, don't kill yourself while you're trying to right. survive. And you can't do what you didn't do before mm-hmm. cancer. In other words, if you're not used to walking a mile a day, you may have to go a few times around the block and build up. Mm-hmm. But the point is, keep moving. Movement is key to living. Movement is key to surviving and preventing cancer. 
And then I used it to hold my bone density during the five years of taking chemotherapy by mouth. Chemotherapy and the chemotherapy pill given for estrogen-fed cancer patients, which blocks all estrogen production in your body, makes your bone density plummet. Mm-hmm. And you can go into osteopenia and osteoporosis. And they, give, they can give you all these uh, shots and pills to make up for it, but the best way they'll tell you is if your own body can do it. So through exercise and bone density exercises, I was able to hold that and not lose the bone density. Mm-hmm. So all that is important in the cancer journey. So exercise was key, and I highly recommend people do that in the cancer journey. You do what you can when you can. If you don't have the energy and the strength, then you have to wait until you do. But I even recommend people get stationary bikes or borrow one if they can't get outside because of COVID or they can't, they can't walk. If they can get on a bike and pedal, mm-hmm. they just have it's to something. get... Yeah. Yeah. You've got to do something. If they can't get out of the bed, if they can move and, you know, a PT therapist can help you figure out what your situation is and how to move. And I recommend people get a PT therapist. Your oncologist will recommend you to one. Mm-hmm. And so that it's just it's just critical. Mm-hmm. So those three things I just told you, I took a deeper dive on and they don't cost a dime. Yeah. You know, so anybody can do it. And then there's the food as medicine. All right. I thought so tell me I about was that. eating. Oh, I thought I was eating healthy because when I was at school, I was eating a salad every day for lunch. When my teacher friends were eating the hamburger and French fries, the school lunch program, you know, mm-hmm. which is usually not very healthy. So I thought I was eating better than most people, and I had upped my fruits and vegetables to like five or six a day. Now I'm eating. 10, 13, sometimes 15 in a day. And I say, not just fruits and vegetables. When you go back to Genesis 129, after God creates man and woman, he tells them, I have given you these plants for your food, Mm -hmm. these seed-bearing plants. And that includes fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, beans, legumes, and it also includes herbs and spices. Mm. These things are power-packed with nutrients that help our body to heal and prevent disease. And God said that back in Genesis. I've given you this for food. That's all he said. He didn't say, I've given you this for food, and these things are going to promote good health and healing in your body. Mm -hmm. But today, scientists can prove that it's the plant's it's where we get we can get all of our nutrients from those plants mm-hmm. and those plants are what provide the healing power in our body and complement our DNA. Mm-hmm. And so every time you talk about a chronic disease, I don't care what it is, name any of them. The cure is eat more plants. I didn't say you had to eat all plants, but eat more plants. And the majority of your diet should be plants Mm -hmm. and a variety of proteins, not just meat, 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 meat. I was a meat three times a day person, Mm -hmm. meat for snacks in between. I mean, it was meat, 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 meat. (laughs) That's the American. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, that's the standard American diet that is 
too much meat, mm-hmm. which contributes to cancer and many diseases. And don't get me wrong, we can have some meat, but the point is we need to make sure we get the plants in. It's the Mediterranean diet that is made up of all these nuts and seeds and beans and fruits and vegetables and herbs and spices with some fish. Yes, you want to get protein. Mm-hmm. You want to get protein, but you want to vary the sources and get some from fish and some from red meat and some from white meat. But really... The more you can get it from plants, the better off you're going to be with your heart and just everything in the book. Mm-hmm. So the more plants, the better. If I could just sum up, food is medicine. You know, eating, planning your meals and what you eat to nourish your body rather than just for pleasure. And don't get me wrong, food is still pleasurable mm-hmm. to me. Now, I would rather have a hot fudge Sunday three times a day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But you know, it's it's not doing what the Bible has told us to do when it, when it clearly tells us that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and we are to take care of the temple. Mm-hmm. We think we can just eat anything and what we're getting is a bunch of calories with low nutrients when we need the opposite. Mm-hmm. We need the high nutrients with lower calories. Mm-hmm. And this is even evident with COVID-19. If you already, if you have a healthy gut and you're eating the right types of food, you're not going to get the severe symptoms mm-hmm. of COVID-19. And they've just, I just listened to a, a series that's still ongoing about the gut and the microbiome. And clearly, they have connected the severe cases of COVID, the majority of them, were people whose gut lining wasn't properly nourished. They had a mm-hmm. compromised gut. And that is where most of your immune system cells lie, is in that gut lining. Mm-hmm. So what happens in the gut doesn't stay in the gut. And what Hippocrates said in 500 BC is that all disease begins in the gut. Mm. And science now proves what Hippocrates said. And this is this buzz about the microbiome and the gut being so important. And there's just so much research on that. And it's really just coming to light in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. So that was the last thing I learned, you know, but it falls under food, but it falls, I put it in a separate category in my book, because it's one of the things that I totally, totally missed. Okay, so so water, sleep, exercise, food, and then gut, you would say is completely separate? Yeah, that's okay. that's step eight in my book. The first five, I didn't give you the, the fifth one. Okay. <laughs> after after food is medicine is gratitude. Oh. I mean, here I am in the cancer journey. And instead of looking going, God, why did, you, why did you do this to me? And oh, poor pitiful me. I'm looking for, as Paul said in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, he said, when you go through the trials of your life, and here he's writing this from prison, he says, pray about everything. That's number one. Two, give thanks in everything, even mm-hmm. in the middle of a cancer journey. Yes, knowing God's going to use it for, for good and that he's with you. And then number three, don't concentrate on all the negative circumstances around you. Philippians tells you to concentrate on what's good, mm-hmm. on what's lovely, of good rapport. And so you look around and you're saying, okay, I'm in the middle of the fight for my life. Let me concentrate on the good things, not on all the negative things, all the papers I was signing saying all the side effects, three pages long, including Mm -hmm. death. You Mm -hmm. know, this is what I'm dealing with. And I'm not concentrating on that, knowing that if I do die, you know, I'm graduating to heaven. 
you know, what's the worst thing can happen, you know? Mm -hmm. So you concentrate on that. And what do I find out from the research? But by doing that, you basically allow your body to be in a state where it can heal and regenerate. And that's what you need on an everyday basis. And that's what you need during the cancer journey. Yeah, I never would have guessed that being thankful. I mean, it makes sense. And I'm sure that it releases certain hormones in your body, too, because if you are completely ungrateful and you're complaining all the time, isn't that cortisol hormone going to build up in your brain? And it's not just gratitude. Gratitude is one step in my book, but a whole nother set of chapters is on how your emotions affects your health, all the different emotions. And you find from that that the positive emotions, joy, happiness, laughter, singing, all the things the Bible talks about and admonishes you to do, these things, research can now prove, prayer, meditation, all these things help your body to be in that parasympathetic state, which is the best state to be in for the body to heal. Mm-hmm. And all the negative emotions, anger, hate, discouragement, depression, all of these emotions, especially when they're long-term, grief included, these emotions can literally suppress your immune system mm-hmm. because it, it keeps it from working up to, up to standard. So when you look at that, I mean, I've seen people go through the cancer journey with a negative attitude. They never do well. Hmm. I'm helping a pastor in New York City who's been there for 40-something years with a stage 4 cancer. And he said, Jenny, I can tell you the people I've been at their bedside, the people that are going to make it and the people that aren't by their attitude and how they use their faith Hmm. to manage that. Mm -hmm. And so I have three chapters on using your faith to manage your emotions because that is key to getting through a cancer journey And the emotion, I'm not an angry person, I'm not a revengeful person, I am a positive Pollyanna type person using my Christian faith, but the one that got me, that tripped me up, was grief. It's one thing to grieve for Mm -hmm. a year or six months, but when you grieve on an everyday basis for 15 years, and that's what happened taking care of my dad in the Alzheimer's journey from my mom, my sister, and I. And then after that, it was both my in-laws we took care of, and then it was my mom. Mm-hmm. For 15 years, I was I mean, it's just one a, thing after another. Right. I was stuck in a grief cycle I couldn't get out of. Now, they all graduated to heaven, and we celebrated that. But watching them decline and mm-hmm. watching them suffer and being right there on top of it was, I cried constantly. I mean, it wasn't just crying here and crying there. I would cry all the way to take care of my dad for the weekend and all the way home. And it just, all that grief over that many years Mm -hmm. definitely suppressed my immune system. And I never would have guessed. I I mean, I never, I mean, actually a lot of these, I've heard that food is essential to preventing cancer, but I had no idea about sleep, hydration, even exercise. Like I I never would have guessed and especially uh, going through a grieving process. I want to kind of rewind a second and go back to the food portion. And like I said before, you're very balanced. And I know that there are people out there right now going, uh, food. Okay, great. It would be, it would be great if I could afford to 
eat all organic food or to eat more healthy food. Everybody says junk food is cheap. I I disagree. There's a lot of junk food out there. Like, I don't buy potato chips as much as I would love to. And it's because they're incredible. Like, five bucks a bag and it's gone in two minutes. Like, I'm not buying potato chips. But I think what it is is carbs. Carbs are cheap. There's uh, That seems to be the cheapest food. But organic is expensive. But you have tips on certain foods that you can buy that can help you that aren't going to break the bank, especially with uh, increasing inflation. I mean, prices at the grocery store are just outrageous right now. How could we afford to eat a little bit healthier? What I do is, to be perfectly honest, I get a lot of foods now at my local grocery store and Costco because they carry a lot of organic foods at reasonable prices. Mm -hmm. When you can go into Publix or Ingalls or whatever your grocery store is, Kroger, and they have their own brand of organic food, then it's not going to be as expensive. Mm -hmm. But I follow the rule of the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. This is where the USDA has tested the pesticide residue on the fruits and vegetables. They do it yearly, and the Environmental Working Group publishes it in a list in rank order, and they'll give you number one, like the cleanest fruit and vegetable is avocado. And then they're going to give you the clean 15. There are 15 fruits and vegetables. Broccoli, asparagus is in there, cauliflower is in there. These Fruits and vegetables do not carry a high residue. And it, sometimes it's because they have a shell on the outside that protects the inside flesh. Oh. Sometimes it's they spray it and it just doesn't soak up into the plant. Mm-hmm. Whatever the reason is, you can eat those and not worry about it so much. Mm-hmm. So I follow that rule. And when I go out to eat, I know I can eat a, order asparagus and broccoli and cauliflower, and I'm not getting a high pesticide residue, okay? Mm -hmm. Then there's the dirty dozen, the 12 fruits and vegetables that carry the highest pesticide residue, and number one in that list is strawberries, and I love strawberries, so Mm -hmm. I try to get them organic, and I can always get them at Costco and the blueberries, Mm -hmm organic and frozen at a very reasonable rate, buying them in bulk Mm -hmm. to use in my smoothies. Because let me say this, berries are known to cut off the blood supply to cancer tumors. Oh, So I eat blueberries every day, Mm -hmm. being a cancer survivor, and we put a cup in our smoothie of frozen wild blueberries. The wilder, the more powerful they are. Mm And it actually builds your immune system. It's good for your heart. It's good for your brain. I mean, heart doctors, neurologists are recommending them. Now, cancer doctors, because of the research, are recommending them. So you want to eat those things organic if possible. Mm -hmm. When you talk about milk, feeding milk to your children, I would definitely... You know, a gallon of milk might be $4 if it's not organic. It might be 6 if it is. If you buy Publix organic brand or the grocery stores, you're going to get it just a dollar or two more for a whole gallon. Mm-hmm. And then when you buy greens, if you buy the big tub at the grocery store, it might be a dollar more for a big tub of greens. I'm going to get those organic. Mm-hmm. And then I don't worry about the things that have the shell on them. Like an avocado. Like an avocado, like a banana, Mm -hmm. like 
oranges, lemons, and limes, and yet, unless I'm using the skin. Mm-hmm. So I don't go hog wild over all that because there is a budget. And now we're using various means of protein and quinoa and beans. Beans are cheap. Mm-hmm. I can get organic beans at Whole Foods and a lot of different places and order them online, and they're still inexpensive even though they're organic. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, look at Mexican food. It's all made from different types of beans, and people love Mexican food. Right. So you can go more towards the beans and the different sources of protein that come from plants. And in that way, you're getting, you know, you're lessening your budget there because that's a cheaper way of getting a protein. So when you vary your proteins, that's important too. It will, you know, I said the first three things in my book don't cost a dime. But when you get to the food as medicine Mm -hmm. and you start eating what's going to nourish your body and help it to heal, it is going to cost more. But being a $800,000 cancer patient, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that as much as I can to prevent it from coming back. Now, the insurance company paid most of that that $800,000, and I do feel sorry (laughs) for them. Uh And when I get around people and they say, oh, my insurance is going up, I always say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm probably the reason (laughs) your insurance rates are going up. You've got to have a sense of humor about it. But when you eat, I I find that a lot of the young couples today are more willing to change than people my age. They're like, I've always eaten this way. I'd rather die early. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just, it's too much to change. Yeah. But for me, it was worth the change because I, you know, my life passed before my eyes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that was my motivating factors to stay changed because I don't want it coming back. But food is so powerful. You, you just have to use it on an everyday basis because it's enhancing your health, everything, not just cancer, not just preventing cancer, preventing if you get COVID and if you get severe symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know, you're eating a healthy diet, healthy gut, doing these things. You know, we got COVID and we were walking a mile or two. We we didn't know we had it, okay? But we were walking a mile or two every day. We were eating healthy, doing all these things. You know, we barely noticed that we had COVID. Mm-hmm. So, it's going to help everything. It's not just preventing cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I believe today these young families have to look at this, that cancer is going to be one in one by the year 2020. That's what the new prediction is looking forward. Not that mm-hmm. anybody can say for sure, but it's been constantly going up over the years. And so you've got to put a cancer and disease prevention plan in place if your family's not going to be inundated with all these chronic diseases, including your children. So it's kind of, we're, we're going to have to put something in, in place if we don't want to be sickly most of our life. And the chronic diseases are going down earlier and earlier and earlier. And we have over 100 autoimmune diseases. They're all related to mm-hmm. diet. Well, Heart disease. Everything in the book is related to diet and our lifestyle. Well, that brings up a question. You had said cancer is going to be one in one. Cancer seems to be going up with the population. But I guess that can. Conf- well, OK, correct me on this. It confuses me at first because I'm going, OK, but so many people are changing their diet. I mean, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. I mean, we were eating macaroni and cheese and chicken nuggets and all the things that weren't good for you, Pop-Tarts. And now people are buying organic. They're getting better at eating salads and 
eating organic cereals and whatever. But do you think it's going up not just because of the food, but maybe the lack of sleep or the lack of hydration or these other factors? It's all of it. It's okay. all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can now, t- they, if, if you look at research doctors and just doctors in general and cancer centers and heart disease centers, they'll tell you heart disease, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's, cancer is 90% what you do. It's only 10% genetics. And let me go back to this real quickly. There were eight risk factors for the cancer I got. I didn't have one of the risk factors. I had none of the genetics. And I had an estrogen-fed cancer. And I had had my estrogen measured two years earlier, and it was fine. Mm-hmm. And so I even had cancer then and, and did not do it. But the point is, it was estrogen-driven. It wasn't coming from my own estrogen. It was coming from the outside and from all the chemical exposure and things I was putting on my skin, things I was drinking, things I was eating. That was one of the bingos that I found out during the cancer journey. What caused my cancer? It was endocrine-disrupting hormones that were coming in through my skin, through what I drank, through what I ate, and it was just everywhere and not it doesn't build up in everyone's body like that but it was in mine so i had to up my filtering systems my liver make sure everything was working right sweat more do all these things plus i had to stop doing the things like putting all these lotions on my skin that have all these parabens and phylates in them mm-hmm. that were contributing. These are endocrine disrupting hormones. And whatever you put on your skin, it's like a sponge. 60, mm-hmm. 70% goes right into your bloodstream without your liver to filter it. Mm-hmm. So we're eating through our skin mm-hmm. at, with all these chemicals and we have to realize that. So I'll just use pure coconut oil instead of all these lotions with eight chemicals in them. You know, you know? why I like coconut? Because I actually use coconut oil as a moisturizer, but it's not because it's healthy. Honestly, because coconut oil is cheap. You can get right. a big and, tub and it's of healthy or- too. So yeah. you double bingo. Here, see, there's one thing. I'm saving people money on. I'm saying, you know, use this instead, and it's cheaper than all these cosmetic things that, mm-hmm. you know, that they put together. You just lather it on. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of tips like that in the book that will actually save you money. But if you eat to nourish your body and use food as medicine, I'm telling you, your budget will need to go up, but your medical bills will go down. Will go down. And I'll make sure that I put the link to the book in the show notes and... But now I want to switch. We talked about what you did physically to help you get through this cancer, to overcome your cancer. Or I want to know what you did spiritually. How did this affect your relationship with Jesus? We know that you were you were thanking God on a regular basis, which is awesome. But what did what was it doing to you? Well, I kind of mentioned it in a roundabout way. Mm -hmm. I was as I did more research instead of blaming God, I was looking for what I did wrong and realizing that God had created our body so miraculously, as it says in Psalms, you know, we are fearfully and wonderfully and intricately made. And I discovered how intricate that can get. And so it gave me a great appreciation for the fact that God gave us a body that is self-healing, self-repairing, and I was grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Instead of blaming God and being angry and how did you how could you let this happen to me? I was discovering that I had messed up and that he was graciously gave us this gift of this amazing 
intricately planned body that was made to heal on an everyday basis. And I needed to get right with him Mm -hmm. and taking care of my body. And the more time I would spend in meditation and prayer and concentrating on his perspective and the way he wants me to look at things rather than the way the world wants me to look at things, then my body is in a better position to heal. So, you know, it, it, there was this appreciation, you know, I was always close to God. I was always reading the Bible, studying, looking for the good and trying to follow what he wanted me to do in my life. But this set me on a path that I would have never wanted to go on. I never wanted to talk about cancer, speak about it in public, write a book about it. And here I am. It's like he's leading me to, you know, expose all this information to other people. And when it it was first mentioned to me by the hospital chaplain, I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to talk about cancer. I'm not going to write a book about cancer. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I don't want this gift. And it turned out it was, he was prophetic what that chaplain said. It was a gift that God has given me to help myself. And then he motivated me to help other people. So it has changed my spiritual gifts in a different direction that I would have never anticipated that I would be the cancer queen (laughs) mentoring other people. I didn't want to talk about cancer. I just wanted to get through it and move on, you know. So it has, it has changed what God has called me to do. I've always served him. Now I'm serving him in a way, if you told me this 10 years ago, I would have said, "Uh -uh. Mm uh-uh, this girl's not going to be the cancer queen and talk about cancer and mentor cancer patients all over the country. No way, Jose. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Well, and there's a submission there too, because you're submitting to God's will, not yours. So as we start wrapping up, Jenny, I thank you so much for the information. I mean, it's really a lot that I know personally I did not know. Uh, I mean, we we are always taught in school to eat healthier and organics kind of the big thing. But I honestly never would have thought that exercise prevented cancer, sleep, water, all of those things. How can I find you if I want to follow you, if I want to get your book, Unleashing Your God-Given Healing? How do I find that? Well, the book is on Amazon and through the bookstores and pretty much anywhere you could find a book, mm-hmm. you can order it. But my website is the most valuable resource, which is www.jenny, G-I-N-N-Y, Brant, B, mm-hmm. as in boy, R-A-N-T dot com. And there I have my blog that updates weekly with new information and research put in a simple way so that you can continue to learn more about fruits and vegetables and things that help prevent really all diseases, including COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to have lesser symptoms if you get COVID. So there are definitely things you can do. So that blog is a valuable resource to sign up for. So that's really the best way to get in touch with me. I also answer questions when people email me through that website. Mm -hmm. And then are you available for speaking engagements as well? If someone wants to bring you in. I do speak and I, yeah, I certainly do. And most of my speaking engagements during COVID because of the pandemic were canceled. So I've gone to a lot of Zoom meetings and things, but the speaking is starting to come back as the pandemic starts to wane. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again, Jenny. Any last words before we depart? Let me say this. Uh, Don't ask your doctor to cure everything. They are there to help Mm. you. 
But look at for what you can do mm-hmm. to help your doctor cure many things, cancer, heart disease. We make it hard on doctors, putting all the responsibility on them. And they're trying to tell us, you know, you might want to do this, you might want to do that. And then we don't listen to the lifestyle changes. <laughs> right. We just expect them to give us a pill or a surgery and take care of business. So mm-hmm. we put doctors in an almost impossible situation and they have their bag of tricks which can be very valuable but the main responsibility for our health lies with us and we don't need to forget that Mm -hmm. that's really good thank you so much jenny and uh, if anybody has any questions please make sure you refer to the show notes and grab her book unleash your god-given healing eight steps well, let me say this before we oh, yes. close. It is written with commentary from a 55-year oncologist and medical researcher where he'll go behind me and say how he sees this from an oncologist's point of view if the cancer patient does this to prevent or to get through the journey or prevent it from coming back. So that's probably the most valuable resource in my book is when I say something and point to the medical research, then he comes behind me mm-hmm. from an oncologist's point of view to show how this helps him to beat your cancer. Mm, that's awesome. I like that. I like how you added that extra in there. Well, thank you very much, Jenny. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. and It's been a joy to be here. Thank you once again for joining Jenny and I on that very insightful conversation. I hope you learned as much as I did. I will make sure I put her book and resources in the show notes. Don't forget to download, share, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you right back here next week.